Hello, and welcome to City Hope Church. This morning, Pastor Peter will be continuing his sermon series, I'll Be Back. Today is the last message that I'm going to preach on Revelation. We've been doing this series, I'll Be Back Now, for a number of uh, weeks, and it's kind of been an interrupted series because we had Mother's Day, and then we had the combined service, and we've had a couple of visiting speakers, and uh, so it's, it's, it's been a... Uh, it's been a longer series, even though there hasn't been a super amount of Sundays, but it's been great just to touch on Revelation. And over the last uh, couple of months, we've, we've looked at the book of Revelation as a quick flyover. Then we kind of got right into the seven letters to the seven churches. And for me, that was a, a really important thing because I think that Jesus was speaking to us about, uh, a, 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 like, to me, Revelation is a warning. Uh, it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a talk about a, a future hope, but it's also a warning for uh, where churches and where Christians can go off track. And so I think it 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 serves as a warning. Those seven letters to the seven churches uh, were really for me as I read them and got fresh revelation on them. It really for me was a a warning about what not to do. And the 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 letters really, if you, you have a look at them, are all about don't go off the rails, don't go off off track. You know, stay stay true to to true faith and to true, true doctrine. And you know, there was uh, churches that that went off into uh, doctrines of Balaam and Nicolaitans, and churches that were tolerating uh, Jezebelic teaching, and all these all these issues that had come into this to the church that I believe also represent the, the end time church. And so we need, to be, uh, we need to be straight and true to what we believe. Then Damo, Pastor Damo talked on what we learn about heaven from Revelation. And Nathan Einside a couple of weeks ago talked about what we learn about worship from Revelation. Sorry, what we learn about heaven from Revelation and then what we learn about worship from Revelation. And next week, really looking forward to it, Josh Pellow, is a, he, he has dedicated himself to becoming a Revelation expert and he runs this conference called Future Hope. And uh, he, he talks about Revelation. He says, you know, if, if, the, if the first return of Christ was great, the glorified return of Christ is going to be spectacular. And uh, I had, uh, in preparation for this seminar, or for this course, sorry, for this uh, preaching series, I had uh, lunch with him. And just to hear him talk about future hope and, and, and the, the exciting things that happen in Revelations for the Christians. When I was growing up and, and we were doing any Revelation study, because uh, end times was really big in the 80s and 90s. Who remembers those days? Uh, Barry, um, uh, Barry Smith and the Thief in the Night series and all that kind of deal. But it was all scary. Everything was scaremongering and it was like, man, you, we're in all sorts of trouble. And, and even uh, Laura and I have had a few conversations as we've talked about Revelation on the way home. She's kind of saying, yeah, but what about this and what about that? And isn't it all just doom and gloom? But I love the idea that it's a future hope and that ultimately, uh, even though there are some bits in Revelation that is doom and gloom, and I'm going to touch on that this morning, uh, that, that there is, we, we have to trust God that there's a future hope in this. And, and, and at every angle I see as we go through Revelation that the mercy of God is shown because God is trying to take as many people as He can to heaven with Him. And so the mercy of God, I think, manifests through Revelation. And this morning I want to just touch on, just really briefly, tribulation, uh, tribulation, the rapture, and uh, the Antichrist. In particular, I want to just go through quickly, uh, if I have time, Revelation 13, uh, verse by verse, and just kind of unpack some things. And then uh, after that, we've got the kids coming in. They've been doing a series on the armour of God, and they've made up costumes and uh, dress-ups, and they're going to come in and show, uh, show us those at the end of the service. What happens in Revelation is that there's a, a period of time in the world 
that we call tribulation. And it's a, it's a seven-year period where kind of all hell breaks loose on the earth. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough season for the church. And I'm not going to get into uh, you know, trying to guess when the end time is. All I know is that we're closer to the end times now than when John was writing it. Uh, whether the end time is going to happen uh, in the next 20 years or the next 200 years or the next 2,000 years, I don't know. Uh, I've mentioned this before. I grew up in a church that used to, the preacher used to preach all the time. We're not going to see past 1994. And, and, it, and, and I'm going to uni in 1988 and 89 and 90, and I'm going, what's the point of going to uni if, I, if I'm not going to see past 1994? And it, it, again, it's that fear and that, that you know, what, what's the point? Well, we made it past 1994. Uh, and then we made it past 2000 because it was all going to happen, you know, the Y2K bug and all that. And, but so I, I don't think it really uh, is beneficial to try and guess timing or anything like that, uh, but just to trust God. And uh, I've said to Laura that, that really ultimately what we need to do is lead, uh, live our spiritual life like Jesus is coming back this afternoon, but our natural life like he's coming back in a thousand years time. So the tribulation is a seven year period. And then out of the tribulation, uh, halfway through the tribulation, there's all this chaos. And out of that comes a leader and the leader is the Antichrist. So the world is looking, in all this chaos, there's that the, the, the world is looking for, for, for some sort of hope. And then out of this hope, out of this, this chaos, comes the Antichrist. And he begins to lead, uh, lead some nations and ultimately leads the world. I'm going to mention that in just a moment's time. But there also, there's also some discussion about the tribulation, uh, sorry, about the rapture. Now the rapture is a, it's one of those controversial things. Do we believe in the rapture? Uh, the rapture is, is mentioned a couple of times, uh, one in Thessalonians. And basically it's where two people are out on the field and one suddenly disappears and Jesus calls the Christians up into the sky. And, and he, he kind of goes across the earth and collects all the Christians. And, and there's another story of where two people are in bed and all of a sudden one goes. And uh, so the, the, the rapture is a, uh, it's where God collects the Christians. I remember as I was prepping for this, I remember one time, I would have been about 12 and we lived on a property of about 20 acres. And, and it was in this time when we're doing all this preaching on the rapture and tribulation and all that kind of deal. And uh, I'd been down uh, the dam skimming rocks and I came up to my, my house and all the cars were there, but everyone was gone. <laughs> and so I rang my nan and it rang out. I was sure that the rapture had happened and I'd missed out. I was, I, I, I can still remember how, how, how just, just devastated I was for about 20 minutes until my family came back from, they'd been over at the neighbour's place and they came back and there was a lot of hugs because I hadn't been left behind. Uh, praise Jesus. But let's get into it. So, and, and the, so there's a whole stack of conjecture whether Jesus takes the Christians before the tribulation, during the tribulation or after the tribulation. And, and, and really, I don't know. And, and the Bible isn't clear. And, and Revelation doesn't really talk much about uh, the, the rapture at all. And so uh, to me, I just go, it, it, it could be a thing. It may not be a thing. Uh, doesn't greatly matter. We just trust God and move on anyway. Amen. Verse 1, uh, Revelation chapter 13. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and it'll be on the screen. There we go. Uh, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, 
having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horn ten crowns, and on his head heads a blasphemous name. Now, the beast John's writing about here is the Antichrist. And, and any time that, that uh, in the Bible it talks about uh, the sea, it's referring to Gentile nations. And so the Antichrist is coming up, he sees, sees the Antichrist coming up out of a Gentile nations. If, if the Bible talks about land, uh, it's talking about Israel, but the sea is, is Gentile nations. And so in, in chapter 17, because when you look at the, the Antichrist, uh, chapter 17 and chapter 13 can be read in conjunction with each other. Chapter 17 goes to say that the beast will not only come from a Gentile nation, but the Gentile nations will, can't, will stem from the old Roman Empire. The beast had ten horns and seven heads. So the old Roman Empire is effectively Europe. Okay? And uh, the beast had ten horns and seven heads. Revelation 17 identifies the seven heads as the seven mountains surrounding Rome, which means the Antichrist government is going to be situated initially in Rome. So here's a, here's a thought, right? Uh, I got online and uh, did some research and there's a whole series of conspiracy theories that the Pope is the Antichrist. But I don't believe that. And the reason I don't believe that is because, or the reason I, yeah, I don't believe that is because the, uh, the leader, the Antichrist, has to actually be a political leader, not a religious leader. But they're gonna be, it will be initially based in Italy uh, and the old Roman Empire, which is effectively Europe. So the interesting thought then is that the Antichrist could actually be the head of the European Union. Now, when I was growing up, because we're talking here about ten horns, ten horns and seven crowns. When I was growing up, guess how many nations were in the United Nations? Ten. Oh, it just made all just beautiful preaching, let me tell you. I think there's about 23 now, so that's going to be a bit of a problem. Uh, we're about to get rid of one though, aren't we, with England? But even with, with Brexit, watch, I'm watching that with interest because it'll be interesting to see the impact that that actually has on the EU. Because we don't really know what impact that's going to have because one of the, the major finances of the EU was, was England. And so that the fact that England now is out, you wonder whether it'll just, maybe, just conjecture, Crumble and go back to 10. Anyway, that was a free thought, that one. Let's keep going. <laughs> Verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet was like the feet of a bear in the mouth, like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power. He's thrown a great authority. The dragon is, is the devil. So if you're going to read Revelation, you want to get into it a bit deeper. You've also got to read Daniel because Daniel got a whole stack of, of uh, end time prophecies as well. Uh, I just didn't have the time to go into Daniel or Matthew 24 and some of the other end time things. It's really just a, a, a touch on uh, the book of Revelation. But Daniel 2 gives a description of the different empires that rule the world and they're shown as a statue of a man and it's a beautiful statue. But then in Daniel 7, the same statue is described and it's a hideous, hideous creature. And when I was doing some research on that, they were saying the reason it's described in two different ways is because it's about man's empires. And when man sees man's empires, he sees it as a beautiful thing. But when God sees man's empires, he sees it as a hideous monster. And here in this verse, in verse 2, it's describing the, 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 the same empires that are described in Daniel 7. The leopard representing Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great's ability to pounce and attack. The bear symbolised the Medes and the Persians because they were large, strong and vicious. And the lion represented Babylon, who was considered the most vicious of all animals, the king of the jungle. And in verse 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads 
as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marvelled and followed the beast. So at this point, what's happened is you've got three and a half years of tribulation and then in the middle of the tribulation comes the Antichrist and at some point in the next, he's, he's given authority to rule for three and a half years. So he rules for half of the, the period of tribulation. But during that time of the tribulation, it seems like there's an assassination attempt. Like the Antichrist is a man. And it seems like that there's an assassination attempt where it would appear that he is either killed or it seems like he's been killed. But then all of a sudden he comes back to life and that just helps cement his leadership and the world marvels that he has such power. Now, I don't think he can come back to life because I'm not sure that the devil has the power of life and death. So I think it, it, it would seem that he was almost killed, but not, not the whole way, because again, the devil doesn't have, have that power. Verse four, it says, So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So this man will have captured the world's attention, this antichrist, this, this leader. And he will be so charismatic and pervasive, uh, uh, sorry, persuasive that he'll be on all the talk shows and, and he'll, be, uh, he'll be on podcasts and YouTube channels and he will just be the, the, the next big thing. And the world will marvel and swoon and the fact that he can bring some sort of chaos in the midst of the tribulation, the world will flock to follow him. Revelation 17 and verse 8 actually talks about the incredible charisma of the Antichrist. The beast, verse 8 says, the beast that you saw was, and is not, was, uh, will ascend out of the bottomless pit and those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names were not found written in the book of life. So those that don't have a faith will marvel at the Antichrist. Like this, this guy will just, just bring everybody together. Verse 5, and he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So he's speaking out all these, these uh, like he's anti-Christ, he's anti-God, he's anti-church, he's anti-Christian. And so he's, he's appearing all these talk shows and media and all this kind of stuff, uh, just, just, just belting out blasphemous things against God. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, verse 6, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. The anti-Christ is all about being anti-God. Verse 7, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue and nation. Now, this is an interesting development because he was based in Rome and he was over the old Roman Empire, which is, which is Europe. But now we see here that he has given authority over every tribe, tongue and nation. This is, a, this is now he stepped up now. In this, in this process, the world has marveled so much at him, the sovereign nations are saying, we want you to follow, we, we want you to lead us, we will follow you. And there's this, uh, this one world government then comes into play. So then to throw out a, an interesting thought, maybe the head of the United Nations could be the Antichrist. Not really sure. But we see here that, that the nations of the earth trade over their sovereign rights to this antichrist figure. Now I look at that and I go, I mean, if you're, if you're gonna try and guess when, when time periods are, I mean, you, you, can you imagine North Korea or Iran saying, oh, we'll, we'll follow you, like America will follow you, we'll follow you, we'll all be together. I can't see that happening anytime soon, right? 
so it's certainly not, uh, not going to happen in the next little while. Verse 8 says, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names, were not, whose names have not been written in the book of life, uh, book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So at this point in time, we have a charismatic leader in the midst of tribulation. He was ruling Europe. Now he rules the earth, one world government. And there's two types of people on the earth. Those that worship the beast, those that worship the Antichrist, and those that don't. That's all. There's only two types of people. And what we've got to understand is, and, and, and reading, reading this in the context of the warning of the letters to the seven churches, where Jesus was constantly telling the church, you're going off track. Just be careful. You, 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 you've gone away from uh, right doctrine. You've been uh, hoodwinked by Jezebel. You've been hoodwinked by Balaam. You, you, you tolerate the Nicolaitans. It was all about warnings about not going to the left or to the right. And we see here that the, this Antichrist figure is so charismatic and seemingly miraculous. We'll see in a minute, he calls down fire from heaven. Seemingly uh, like there's, there's an amazing ability to do miracles that even, even Christians are deceived by Him. And so we have to be so careful, church, that we are questioning all the time. Even, uh, I mean, not that it's the mark of the beast moment right now, or, you know, the, the Antichrist right now, but I, but I think it's, it's too easy for us to get deceived. We have to keep coming back to saying, this is what I believe. I believe the Word of God. This is my plumb line. I believe the Word of God. I'm not going to modernise my theology. I believe the Word of God. And, and regardless of what, I mean, you can go on a YouTube and, and you can see so many doctrines of error that are dressed up so convincingly. And unfortunately, I know too many people that, have, that, have, that they're on YouTube and they, they follow this doctrine and that doctrine and that doctrine and they go down the rabbit hole. And before you know it, they're so far away from orthodoxy, but they don't even know. It's like the frog in the kettle. And so we have to, church, be so wise in this end time moment, in end time season. We have to be wise against deception. And keep coming back. Is it in the Word of God? Is it, in, is, it, is it right interpretation of what's in the Word of God? Keep coming back to the Word of God. It has to be a plumb line. Number verse 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. And he who kills with a sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. This is a scripture saying, hey, ultimately those that are persecuting are going to get it. There's a time coming. Jesus is saying, hey, be, be patient, saints. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth and it had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon. So what we see here is we see a, another man come up and he is what the Holy Spirit is to Jesus. This man will be to the beast. You know, in, 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 uh, in the devil's world, it's always counterfeit. Yeah, you know, there's a in in the occult there's a there's a there's a black communion. Uh, there's a there's a like you, you, the occult takes communion, and the occult pray, and the occult have a a, a Bible, and it, it's all counterfeit. And what we see here is we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and here we see this 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 Trinity of of the two beasts, the the, the Antichrist, and this second beast that will be a false prophet, and then we have the devil. We've got uh, this unholy Trinity in the end times. And this beast will, will speak on his behalf and he'll be like the public relations man 
for the Antichrist. And verse 12, it says, And he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So you've got this, this, these two men that now are just dominating everything in the world. And this, this false prophet, this second beast, this, this false prophet gets up and speaks on behalf of the beast, causing more people to be deceived. In verses 13 and 14, it says, He performs great signs so that even he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of God, uh, inside of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. That's a tough scripture. Because I think if a guy said to you, hey, I'm going to prove to you that God is with me. And, And... I could pray down fire from heaven. That'd be pretty impressive. And we see here that somehow this this antichrist is endowed with this power to pray down fire from heaven. And again, it's it's this this end time deception uh, that even, even when miracles take place, we have to be questioning. Verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So this is a, this is a tough scripture for Christians. Now this is, this, is where, this is where I hope that the rapture happens and it's pre-tribulation, okay? This is, this is where I'm. And so, so that any Christians that are being persecuted in the tribulation are people that have been saved after the rapture. Because you would think, you would think if the rapture happened, like let's you just imagine tomorrow morning we got up and all the Christians around the world were gone. You would think that would make non-Christians go, oh, hang on. There's something in this. So, and, and, and it could be one of the great end time revivals triggered by a, a rapture. But then I think, well, who's going to be here to lead them to Christ? The fence, the lukewarms. The lukewarms that suddenly get very hot, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we've got two minutes before the kids come in. Verse 16, and he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their hand, on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom, let him, verse 18, who has understanding, calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of the man, his number is 666. So again, a counterfeit. In the Old Testament times, when the children of Israel were learning scripture. They would bind the scripture in a little box on their forehead or on their right hand. But now the mark, now the Antichrist goes, well, okay, well, we're going to put, we're going to put my mark rather than you having the Torah or scriptures, the Pentateuch, uh, on your forehead, you're now going to be marked with a mark 
that means that you are now in the, the beast system. And so again, tr- trying, to get, trying to get your head around how, how this is all going to happen, because all this happens in a very short space of time. I mean, three and a half years is not very long for him to completely unite the world and then for him to bring in an economic system, a cashless society where there's no money at all and you can't buy and sell, you can't, there's no credit cards. The only thing you have is a chip in your hand or a chip in your forehead. Now, the technology exists today. I mean, there, there are people that, that already have microchips in their, in their hand. Uh, I, I think even in Sydney, one guy put a an Opal card microchip in his hand and, uh, and then just scanned his hand. There's others that have, have, have got uh, smart houses and the chips in their hand and as they walk in, the telly turns on and the temperature goes to whatever they want it to be and dinner's cooked and all that kind of deal. So the, 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 tech, the technology's there. But obviously there's, a, there's, there's a, uh, a thing here where he causes the entire world. Now I go, okay, so what are the Christians doing? Because clearly we can't fast for three and a half years. But somewhere, somewhere in this, we've got to trust God. Somewhere in this, we've got to trust God. I used to work for a company called Computer Things and in Wollongong uh, when I was going through uni. And uh, the, the owner of the computer store uh, got saved, got in a revelation, sold up the store, moved to far north Queensland and, and bought a big farm so he could grow all the food and be self-sufficient. But that was like in 1992 because he thought it was happening like then. Uh, and, and I just believe that, that uh, we, we've, got to trust, we've got to trust God. And in all of this, as, as I kind of wrap it up because the kids are about to come in, God is merciful. And, and I, I believe that we've just got to trust God in, in rather than get over to fear, get over into faith. And, and that's really what it's about. And, and I could have, part of me when I first was putting this, course, this uh, thought together, I thought that I would go into what's actually happening now in 20, 2019 to kind of indicate that we're in the end times. But, you know, I thought, you know what, it just gets over in a fear. And, and you know, we did that back in 1988 and we're horrendously wrong. Um, so I, I would just rather preach faith and God's mercy and just trust God. Um, so that's it. So we're going to let the kids come in now and uh, let's be enthusiastic as we welcome our kids. Thanks for joining us. Have a blessed week.